Welcome. Special episode, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. Thanks, sponsors, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, Beckett Media, ComC.com, Heritage Auctions, Hudson Scott Auctions, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Panini, Tops, and Upper Deck. Thanks, sponsors. Thanks, listeners. Uh, today is April 15th, uh, otherwise known in America as uh, Tax Day, where you pay your income tax or you ask for a... Uh, uh, an extension. And in fact, this year, this very special year of 2020, uh, everybody gets an extension uh, for their uh, filing. This is if April 15th, I think, is moved back. So um, enjoy that. I don't think it'll happen again, but it's uh, nice to have a break on uh, paying your income tax. Uh, throughout this episode, I'm, I'm really just going to be talking about my experiences and reminiscences about uh, different taxing situations that I've uh, been involved with, especially within the hobby and my uh, situation. Again, I'm not trying to give advice. I'm not trying to be an attorney or an accountant. Uh, you should definitely check with your advisors. Obviously, at a certain level, uh, it's not a big deal. Uh, if you're a very active uh, collector or dealer, uh, it might be. I've actually been audited uh, several times, four, in fact, uh, including uh, corporate and personal. And uh, I'm proud to say I've actually won two of the four. And that I don't mean just one that I broke even. I actually got them to pay me a couple of times. And then a couple of times I owed them. Typically, when they audit you, they're looking for extra money and um, you're trying to minimize that situation. Uh, it's it's uh, it's actually good to pay taxes. It means you're making money, but it's not good to pay more than you should. Um, and as far as paying less than you should, uh, if you're avoiding taxes by uh, fraud or evasion and you know what you're doing, uh, you could be in trouble. Uh, the reason I've never been in trouble is because I, I've really never taken a tax position that I couldn't uh, strongly argue for if it were to be challenged. So I'm not saying I was always right, but I always had a reason why I was doing it a certain way. And I'll unpack that a little bit in this episode. Uh, first of all, again, you don't think of when you think of taxes, uh, the first one is really sales tax. It's not uh, the April 15th deadline, but they're generally in Texas where, where I am. Uh, we actually were audited for uh, Texas sales tax, but you basically have to turn in every quarter what your uh, state sales tax when you sell to customers in your state. Uh, we actually originally took the position that our subscriptions were not uh, taxable. And that actually was a gray area. Certain publications it was, certain publications it wasn't. Uh, we lost that. Uh, and so we did owe, and it was very early on, so it wasn't a big, uh, uh, a large payment. But uh, again, because we had such a, again, we, had, we were all over the world, not just uh, all over the nation, but one state, anybody from Texas, you had to pay uh, sales tax. And so we did that, and we did that going forward. Uh, that brings up the point that there are sales tax in most uh, states and a lot of municipalities tack on something too. There's a huge advantage for Oregon um, that they don't have sales tax. Now, in a, this post-COVID world, uh, all bets may be off. It may even be that Oregon uh, institutes a, a sales tax. But certainly, uh, Texas, it wouldn't surprise me in other states as well that they might increase the uh, state sales tax and some of these local sales taxes. Okay, as for income tax, uh, one of the other audits that I lost was when we had the company, we were writing off the sports tickets as a as an expense, not as an entertainment expense where you get about a half write-off, but as a business expense, kind of an education expense. Uh, we were using the tickets, and my position was not exactly for entertainment. It, we al allowed our employees to go and to use the the free tickets to 
to learn more about the sport and to be able to relate better to the uh, customer, especially our customer service people. On the other hand, um, when I ran that by the uh, IRS agent, in fact, that was the last audit that I handled personally. I, I got a smile out of the agent, but the agent uh, said, you know, if I if I accepted this, I I would be laughed out of the I would be laughed out of the IRS. Uh, another thing that comes up in real estate frequently are tax-free exchanges, and that definitely applies uh, to real estate, And it, but there's some paperwork and some time limitations for that. Uh, most people in the sports collecting hobby regard trading cards, uh, certainly one-for-one, as kind of a tax-free exchange if no money's changing hands. Uh, but you might want to verify that. On some level, that is uh, is true, but there may be some exceptions to that. Uh, when you're going to a card show and you sell cards, usually that's cash and carry. There may be credit cards that people accept, but uh, a lot of it's cash. And you may be in a situation, if you're the seller, that you may have to <laughs> pay sales tax on that or or uh, income tax if you're uh, a dealer and you're selling cards, uh, how much cash you took in. It's uh, be very difficult to audit it, but um, you know if you're selling on eBay, eBay actually I believe sends you a 1099 if you get above a certain threshold of sales annually. It's not doesn't mean that's your profits, but that means how much your uh, revenue, your sales were, and you could deduct your reasonable business expenses. But you at least there's going to be a record that you had that money coming in. So card shows are better in that sense, but there's also been situations at card shows where the state where the uh, card show was being held uh, walked around and gave uh, sales tax forms to each of the dealers there. And if you didn't know what your sales were, they would uh, estimate it for you and uh, require a certain payment uh, that was equal to what they thought, and you had to disprove their situation. Uh, the whole idea of, of, of a small business versus a bigger business, when I started out, we were kind of cash basis. That meant, you know, the money came in, and if more money came in than went out, we uh, we call that profit. But as a business gets bigger, you are pretty much forced to move into accrual-based accounting, which looks at the time value of when you got something, and maybe you got the money later, but you sold it now, or you paid for your materials that went into a product that was released later, and so everything is linked back up, uh, and it's not the same as cash-based uh, accounting. The cash basis means when I have the money, then I know that I made money, whereas accrual, you could say you made money, but you don't have the cash. So that's a little bit of a problem. Uh, you've heard about capital gains, long-term capital gains, especially if they get special treatment. Well, if you're a dealer, uh, I think you'd want to check on that. Because if you have old inventory, you'd like to say that's capital gains, but usually old inventory is just old inventory. If you were a pure collector and you had a card that you bought a long time ago and you weren't in the business, then perhaps that's a long-term capital gain and eligible for uh, reduced uh, tax treatment. Uh, the whole problem with being a dealer, I think, is inventory. And that's actually a problem on several levels. Uh, so if you buy a collection... Uh, you have trouble, whether you're a card store or a, card, a show dealer or an internet dealer, if you bought a large collection, uh, what is your card-by-card -card basis to know how much profit when you sell a particular card? That's not simple. Um, you, uh, Unfortunately, if you do get audited by the IRS, it's possible that if you can't prove what your basis is for a uh, card or cards that you have sold, they may take the position that your basis is zero or something extra conservative, making you prove otherwise. So here's a, uh, a question for you on profits. Suppose you buy a box of 100 
different unpriced cards uh, for 100 bucks. So it's a box of 100 different cards. They're not specifically priced, 100 bucks. The next week, you sell one card for $100 out of that box. What is your profit with respect to the uh, IRS? Door number one, profit is zero. Paid 100 bucks, sold 100 bucks. Door number two, $99. I bought 100 cards for $100. That's in effect like a dollar per card. And so if I sold one of them for 100, then I made 99 bucks profit. Uh, and the IRS would want <laughs> their share of that. Or C, uh, door number three, that it's something that could be calculated between zero and $99. Uh, all those doors actually could be true. All those answers could be true. ABC, one, two, three. You'd really need more information on the specific cards. And actually, the nature of your uh, business posture, whether you're a collector or a dealer, could affect how that is done. So there's really three kinds of um, uh, ways that you could be involved in the hobby that would influence your income tax treatment. One is just being a collector, a hobbyist, where you just, you know, you're just uh, buying and selling, but not on a, on a big enough level that it's uh, uh, on the radar of the, of the uh, IRS. You certainly are still obligated to uh, report uh, profits. If you made a profit, you can, well, you're supposed to report those profits. But since it's a hobby, you don't get to deduct, deduct losses. You can deduct expenses up to your profits, but you can't take a negative on your tax return if you're just a hobbyist. On the other hand, the, another possibility, if you're kind of a passive investor, uh, not a super active dealer or or a trader, but you're mainly buying and holding, you're not uh, selling a lot, it's mostly individual cards, uh, if you keep records, again, I don't know that you'd be allowed to uh, take losses, but you might be eligible for capital gain treatment if you are mainly buying and holding. And the third and most common is uh, being an active dealer, an active trader, even a flipper. Anybody that's doing a lot of business, uh, there really is a chance you would be audited. And uh, like I said, they will impute or estimate what uh, you might have. If you keep going to shows, uh, you you have to have the not just the appearance, but they, they have rules that they look at, uh, whether you have employees or not, of whether you uh, are, you should be making a profit a certain number. You can't, you can lose money some years, but if you're always losing money, they're going to say this is a hobby and not a business. A business should be making money, uh, not necessarily every year, but uh didn't say a lot about uh, employment taxes, payroll taxes, but I can assure you that was a big deal for uh, Beckett Publications back in the day. Uh, you definitely don't want to get behind on those. We never did, but that's uh, it, when it comes up quarterly, it could be a big number. If you have a big payroll, you've got to be setting that, uh, accruing that, those, uh, that money to set it aside. And again, there may be some uh, forbearance or uh, relaxation in 2020 due to the COVID-19, but uh, don't get behind. The government is not somebody you want to owe money to. Uh, property taxes, why would that even be a factor? Well, I'm going to do the math here. I realize I'm essentially, and, and those others of you who do this, if you have an extra room or uh, like I do, an extra card room. Uh, in effect, that room is totally dedicated to uh, to cards. I'm in effect paying property taxes on that uh, on that real estate value. And in Texas, when they don't have income tax, property taxes is kind of stiff. Uh, estate taxes, kind of the last one. Uh, I can assure you, if you are concerned about estate taxes, that is a great thing because that means your net worth is uh, substantial. So if you don't have uh, an estate tax problem, that's uh, it's good to not have problems. So that's a problem that means uh, you're going to have to pay Uncle Sam if you have uh, a valuable uh, collection or a valuable estate, and it gets above a certain big number, uh, you're gonna you're gonna owe them, or your heirs are gonna owe them, and just. 
again, I think I've said this before, you don't want to give your heirs a problem, a hobby that you loved so much. You don't want it to be a problem for your for your sons, daughters, uh, wife, uh, you know, surviving spouse, uh, whoever your heirs would be, grandkids even. Uh, most heirs would rather have the cash than the cards. There are exceptions, uh, and, and I'll, I'm sure I'll come back to that in one of the other episodes. But uh, again, estate taxes, good problem to have. Uh, but certainly, again, an opportunity to try to avoid the the headaches that come with that. Again, as we found out in this these uncertain times, that uh, uh, you know nobody nobody lives forever, and uh, when it's when you have a a virus outbreak like this, I mean it's it's uh, not a respecter of of, uh, of people. You can get it, and uh, and you can take a turn for the worse. And it's better to have these things prepared uh, ahead of time and know what your intentions are. So again, pay your taxes uh, if you're living in America. Uh, I hate to tell you, your taxes are going to be going up because there is no free lunch. And uh, whether it's uh, President Trump uh, or, uh, or or a Democrat uh, president, I think there's no way there's not going to be some additional uh, taxing to pay for uh, these uh, trillions of dollars that are going into beating this uh, this virus. So hoping that happens, hoping that happens without uh, without uh, major further disruption. Again, enjoy the hobby. Uh, again, enjoy the fact that you got a reprieve from tax day today. And I'll be back again tomorrow with another non-taxing episode.